Hello and welcome to The Plotting Shed. You're listening to Rachel McCarty, founder of plantplots.com and author of the book I Want to Like My Garden. Each week, The Plotting Shed discusses different aspects of garden design, but we focus on things that other books don't really talk about. I hope you enjoy this podcast and do please hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. Well, hello, we're back again. Have you missed us? Gosh, it only seems like a week when we, we last spoke to you all. So hello and welcome back to The Plotting Shed with myself, Rachel, and my good buddy, Helen. Hi there. We hope you've all had a really lovely week. Now, as we said, we're going on from the last couple of weeks that we've done where it's how to make better better choices so that you can be better gardeners. And we hope we've given you a little bit of food for thought to help make decisions in your garden and for your garden that will deliver a better garden for you or one that, that you feel happier with that doesn't cause you too much work or too much stress and the reasons why we need to change that thought process. So we thought we would move on from that and there's a a discussion that we wanted to have about the actual plants that you have in your garden and Helen was doing some research here as to what were the most popular garden plants that we have. What did it come out to be Helen? They're probably obvious actually, most of them. So at number one we have lovely romantic roses. Number two, we have lavender. Number three, tulips. I'm surprised at the next one, bluebells. But yeah, thinking about it, they are native bluebells, of course, and thrive, don't they? Fuchsia. Blech. Sorry, one of my I know you thing. don't like fuchsia, but there's a reason fuchsia is popular, and it know. does really well in our climate. Geraniums. Yeah. Um, there was lots to say about geraniums. Hydrangea. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably lots to say about hydrangea too, actually. And clematis. Oh, well, so every, yeah, I, th- I think probably everyone who's sitting there listening to this podcast, I bet you you've all got some or all of those in your garden. Why are those garden plants the most popular? What is it about them that make a, a good garden plant? Is it the flower display or the leaf colour? Is it the fact it's evergreen? I mean, is there a, is there a definition, Helen, for, for good garden plants? Oh, well, there that probably is. That, that list that we read out there is radically different. It's like kind of one of every type of thing you can think of there. Well, not quite. But yeah, I just there's think no, that... There's no, um, what's the word? There's no theme running there, I, in, in my view. No. You've got, a sh- you've got a couple of shrubs. You've got a couple of bulbs. A couple of um, nice flowery things. And a climber. Mm. Um, but you know what? Do you know why I think those are the most popular garden plants? because they're probably the only plant that the average non-gardener can name. <laughs> Aww. I know that's probably sounding harsh, Aww. but if you asked a lot of people, name name seven or eight of your favourite plants, I would probably imagine that there's those, mm. those would come out. So I think it's not a question of they're the most popular garden plants. They're the most well-known garden yeah, plants. Yeah, and they've been around a long time. There's a lot of tradition um, if, in, in an English garden in, in that list, isn't there? Whenever we talk about gardens, I just do want to qualify. What I'm trying to look at is, and what we're trying to talk about, is the the normal garden that a person like you or I would have if we bought a house. 
which are now about, God, crikey, I think the average garden is about 15 metres long. So we're not talking estates or expert gardeners or horticulturalist garden. We're talking about people who buy a house, buy a flat, and it comes with a garden. So are these the best plants that every garden should have? And it got me thinking, what would a really good definition be to help you go and buy plants based on everything that we've said to you in the past few weeks and in the past few months worth of podcasts, which is all about trying to make good choices that allow you to have a, a really lovely garden, but one that you don't become a slave to or that you don't have to consistently add resources to to make it a, a beautiful place to be. So this was our definition. So I'll let Helen read them out because she thought of these. Yeah, well, we, we put some thought into a nice concise sentence. So here it is. Our definition of a good garden plant is this. It has to look after itself. It must be bee friendly. It must offer more than just a pretty flower. It should not need special treatment to deliver the display and it should last more than one season. You know, having plants that provide food for pollinators, we know it's important, but it's, it's more than that because in your garden, it gives you something else to watch, doesn't it? If the, if the butterflies are landing on the plants and the bees are coming to feed, it's more interesting. It makes your whole garden more it's interesting. movement and sound. Absolutely. You're not relying on a three week flowering cycle and for the rest of the year, the plant is a, a nondescript shrub. Give you, if you had those one, 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 two, three, four, five, five rules. So there we are. It should look after itself. It should be bee and butterfly friendly. It must be more than just a pretty flower. It shouldn't need extra special treatment to get it to perform and, and flower the way you want it to. You've got a basis to buy plants and when you go shopping or you go online, what you're choosing can at least fit most of those criteria. We think you're going to get a really, really good plant because it is all about money and resources, isn't it? You know, we're trying to maximise the benefit for the minimum input, the minimum cost and the minimum resource. Yeah, absolutely. And you came up with a phrase that I also love. And forgive me, but I'm going to read it out because I love this. What do we mean by low maintenance? It means the plant does its thing by itself so you don't have to. Yeah, <laughs> which is very which true. Which is great, yeah. You know, and I, I, you know me, I'm a, I'm a lady gardener. I, I like to enjoy being in the garden and I don't want to have to do stuff on the garden because it, it eats into the time I don't have. It becomes a chore and I don't want my garden to be a chore. So with that definition in mind, we thought there were a couple of ways that you, if you're looking this autumn to revamp or change your garden or think about planning for, for next spring and you want to have good decision making, you want to have a useful use of your resources, you want to maximise the benefit and minimise the spend, then the best option that you can put your money in for be the best garden plants, we think are bulbs. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've got another list, haven't we? Yeah, I, I think, <laughs> you know, you can have the wonderful thing about bulbs is, and, and, and I put this All list... All seasons, you know, isn't it? All seasons. You can have bulbs. flowers yeah. from January through to November. 
And this is where, if you, if, you, if you are an avid listener, and thank you very much, by the way, if you're a regular listener to our podcasts, you will remember a couple of episodes ago, I mentioned an idea I had for a design, which was called Whack-A-Mole Gardening. Do you remember the game, the Whack-A-Mole, Helen? You know when you you go to the fairgrounds and... Those... Yeah, and you hit it with a hammer yeah. and it pops Things... up somewhere else. Yeah. But it was that something pops up at different times in different places. Well, that's exactly what bulbs do, isn't it? You have a garden that if you could get the basis of the planting with some really good, attractive shrubs, and then the rest of the garden is has this whack-a-mole pop it up all over the place, you get this symphony of of plants coming up and down all by themselves through the whole of the year and i was thinking some of my favorite shrubs um are are these ones there's there's fatsia japonica because it's got really great shaped leaves and when the leaves come out when they first uncurl they look like begging hands there's a there's a a shrub which sounds a bit like a really nasty disease but it's called sarcococca sarcococca confusa which again is a brilliant evergreen shrub, grows quite slowly, grows nearly everywhere, but come Christmas, it will produce the most fabulous scented flowers in January and what have you. Oh, yeah. And yeah. it just will scent the whole garden and provide early flowers for the foraging insects. Then you've got my other ones that I really love, skimmias, abelias, viburnum, and daphne. Because again, they're scented, they produce flowers at the non-summertime parts of the year when insects and birds and bees need to have some, some nectar-rich planting. So they're really good backbones. Now, I did have a giggle here, Helen, a couple of weeks ago, because you know I sat there and I watched all of the RHS Chelsea on the BBC. Well, there's a presenter there called Adam Pascoe. And he was started talking about flowers and plants in a way that sounded remarkably familiar to me. Do you know what he said? No, yeah, go on. Well, you know, in my book, I Want to Like My Garden, which there will be a link on the uh, show notes for you. I know, shameless plug, but I have to do it, you know, all the rest of it. But he started talking about plants in exactly the same way that I do. I've got a reference in my book called The Garden Wardrobe because it's a really good way for you to understand how plants work. So if I said to you, those plants there are like your jeans and jumpers, and then you have different colour tops that you wear, whether it's spring, summer, autumn and winter, and then you have some accessories that come up and just add a little bit of spring and bling to the mm, garden. Or like putting a colourful scarf on or something. Exactly, yeah. exactly. That all of a sudden now people can go shopping thinking, right, I need some summer tops, I need some spring coloured tops, and I need a couple of jeans and jumpers to go with them. It's an easy way to buy plants. And do you know what he said? He started talking about suits and socks as plants at Chelsea. And I thought, did you read my book, Adam? Maybe not, but I did have a quiet chuckle. I thought it's the first time I've ever heard a garden designer presenter talking about plants in the way that I've talked about plants for years. I felt quite smug, actually. I thought that was quite good. The best bulbs for a small garden. All of these are brilliant and you will have colour in your garden, whether it's in shade or sun or whether it's in January through to November so far away Helen what's the list okay so at number one is snowdrops followed by crocus allium tulips I can't even pronounce the next one ornithogalum that's the one 
<laughs> Glad you said that. Greg Cosmere, Zicklerman, Gladioli. Gladioli Byzantinus. Thank you. Which, can I just say, it's the natural species form of gladioli. So it's not so flamboyant in that case, is that right? No, it's very, very beautiful and it has these lovely deep carmine pink flowers. It just grows happily. It, oh. I've got it growing in the shade, got it growing really? in the sunshine um, and it just comes up, does its thing and it's such an underrated bulb. Utterly so it's not the ones that, that Dame Edna was throwing into the audience then? Uh, no, oh. it is definitely not a Dame Edna. It is the natural looking form of gladiola and you will all like it if you see it. I'll put some pictures on the show notes so you can have a look. All right, the next one on the list I am not going to attempt to pronounce because I'm sure it'll just sound like I'm swearing. So we'll let. Uh, well, it probably will. It's the sinus. Exactly. Okay, which sounds like another nasty disease as well. Or, or, a, or an annoying little dog. Yeah. But, <laughs> do, do you know, I mean, why do they give? I mean, it's such a weird name for what is a very beautiful plant. But we're now in, we're in mid October. This is when it starts flowering. Oh, and you can have pink, yeah. and they're, they're star-shaped flowers. Is, there, is there an English name for it? It was, well, it's known as the kaffir lily. Okay. It won't work in, in really cold, wet ground. There are no bulbs like living in that sort of conditions right. anyway. Right, but if it's if it's well-drained and sunny, it then, not, it, yeah. then it can survive. You don't have to dig it up. No, you know, no, no. Okay. And it will flower through till November. So it's brilliant. All right, the next one on the list, muscari, mm-hmm. which I think they're like little grapes on these. Yeah, the little, the little bright grape blue, pie, yeah, pie scent, the grape blue hyacinth. Yeah. Um, anemone, oh, I love anemones. Scylla, am I pronouncing that uh, right? Scylla, yeah. Right, these, these are um, vibrant, really intense blue flowers that come up in May. And once you plant the bulbs in, they hate being disturbed. A bit like bluebell-shaped flowers but a more intense blue. So they're really, really, really pretty. I've got a feeling I've got quite a lot of those in my garden. I just no idea what they were called. Um, the next one, dog tooth violets. They get very pretty again. Oh God. And the Latin is erythronium. I ought to be good at this with my anatomy training. But You should be, yeah. I should be. You're not going to ask me to say that one. Erythroniums. There you go, you did it. Iris. Yeah. Lovely as sun baked. I always think of them as being sun baked, but then there's the ones that are like kind of water margin. Oh, there's, 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 like, you have so many different tiny kinds. short ones. There are tiny like short ones. ones. There are ones that mm-hmm. will grow in deep shade. I've got them. They're almost indestructible. So you get you you've just got plants you can put in and forget. And I'm thinking, how hallelujah. And then right right at the end, the must have narcissi. Mm, which there's daffodils and narcissi isn't it and i i must admit i've always preferred the narcissi which tend to be just daffodils can be quite big and i and and the problem with daffodils is once the foliage goes over it in a small garden it can look quite untidy and a bit messy so I, there are lots of smaller growing narcissi that mm-hmm. are so much better there's one and they've got some most some of the most loveliest names i mean one's some perfumed as well aren't some they? are perfumed yeah. yeah i mean tete-a-tete is a, a bright tiny yellow one there's ones called Snow Baby. Now, who wouldn't want Narcissi Snow Baby in your garden? I mean, the little tiny pure white ones. So just for the name, it's worth having. Oh, isn't cheerfulness. It? And it is. It's just, they're just happy. All of these are just happy flowers. So again, I'll put that list and I might put some, some links to pictures so you can see what they look like on the, on the show notes. But that takes us on to the second part of this discussion that we were just going to have was that we were having a look at some of the alternatives 
that you can use when you're looking to buy plants. So there are now some brilliant new websites and a lot of them have sprung up in the last few years. We have a list. Candida? To do Candide. with... This is, this is like a... It says here that Candide is a growing movement that encourages us all to reconnect with nature, wildlife and share our united love of plants. Like the garden-loving hero of Voltaire's novel of the same name, they believe that gardening is the root of happiness. This is very much a forum for sharing your ideas and sharing plants, but also now it's become a little bit of a marketplace where people can buy and sell plants to each other in a bit of a Facebook sort of ways. You can buy plants from maybe the smaller nurseries or people oh, who right. are local to you. Yeah. Um, so that, again, your distribution and your air miles, you can pop round and I just think it's another, it's a nice little way. So I'll put the link on. So there's sort of Candide Gardening. The other one we, we took a look at was Sproutle. Right. This is really interesting. Well, Sproutle is really, really new. In fact, I only came across Sproutle a couple of months ago. And it's been, it's one of these new start um, tech startups. They've got this enormous volume of funding. I mean, they've started this, this idea up, but they've got nine million pounds worth of venture capital funding. Good so grief. potentially it could be quite, quite big. But what, what we liked about this when we had a look at it was that they've taken on board that packaging side of things and the waste of material and the plastic pots and how plants are distributed and delivered so their model is this that they get partner partner garden centers and nurseries to sell their wares on the website and obviously there's a lot of information and help and advice on there as well it's all packaged up in a very modern way it's designed for the new millennial gardeners you know this is very much an app and a website designed for for that generation all the plants get delivered to you, same like the Amazon sort of thing, but they're packaged without plastic, without everything's recyclable. They're really thinking about the holistic approach, so from the plant from when it's grown to when it goes in your garden, and trying to minimise the wasted resources of that. So that's called Sproutle. It's literally, it's only been around for about a year, so it's only going to grow. So take a look at it and, and, and let us know what you what you think. I think their mantra is, I will not kill my plants today. That's the top line. <laughs> oh, brilliant. Which I think rings true with an awful yeah. lot of people. So have a look at that. You know, it's an interesting concept, yeah. but I like the fact, again, they're thinking, maximise the benefit of gardening, but minimise the negative impact yeah, of gardening, which is very good. Yeah. Uh, another one we, we looked at is Gardenize. Well, Gardenize, again, is a similar sort of outlet to the Candide. It was, it was a Swedish-based company, so this, this has a sort of a European bent to it as well. But again, it's a very much a sort of a, a big forum for sharing ideas about gardening. And it's just all about demystifying and taking away some of that technical side that puts people off and makes them think that they're not a, not a gardener. And another one uh, for your interest, Foliate, no, it's spelled F-O-L-I figure eight. I know, again, so this, but this is different again. So I, when I was doing some research early on this year and just having a look around, again, this is a really new start company. 
what I, I like about it and what Helen liked about it was that this is specifically for houseplants. And there's been such a massive growth in, in people seeing the benefits of having plants for all sorts of reasons. Foliate are, again, a company that will deliver houseplants to your door, but in fully compostable pots. So you can buy your own indoor pots and then these arrive in these Koya, I think coconut fiber pots or something. So again, they're trying to change the way that we buy plants in order that we don't waste resources. And I think the message we would like you to come away with from these little podcasts that we've put together is, is to consider how much unnecessary consumption of resources are we using because we're not thinking of the why, the where, the how, and the what for. And if you can just do that, we can collectively make a massive positive difference. Well, thank you for listening. You have been listening to Rachel McCartane of The Plotting Shed. If you've got any questions about this podcast, please email me, rachel at plantplots.com, or you visit the website. We've loads of different information on garden design and gardening advice, along with planting plans that you can download. You can look at the designs that we've created. So do take a look and please do hit the subscribe now button so you don't miss another episode. You can also donate if you go onto the website plantplots.com. There's a little button there saying you can buy me a coffee. So all donations will be hugely appreciated. Thank you very much. Enjoy your week. Enjoy your garden. Take care and stay well.